Good morning. It's uh, great to be here. I want to begin uh, by uh, giving you, as a church, a thanksgiving on Miriam's behalf as well. You know, uh, the beginning of the year, we were hearing from you every day, or nearly every day, through your uh, cards of uh, encouragement of Scripture. Uh, so that was a, a great blessing to us. And as, as a result of that experience, I'm, I'm prompted to uh, develop, let me call it a BBC, Bethel Baptist Church, Theology of Encouragement. Uh, there is a vast uh, array of verses I'd like to compile them, maybe with the help of uh, Professor Al. Uh, we'll come up with a, a Bethel's uh, scriptural uh, theology of encouragement. But again, uh, we thank you for that. Uh, uh, well, I'm not giving you a report today, but uh, let me uh, tell you, as has been said, that uh, Miriam and I are still SIM missionaries. Uh, we've not uh, retired. And uh, I will still be involved in theological education in Africa. That is still my passion. Uh, Miriam will be doing uh, some work through, uh, for SIM uh, primarily online, through the internet. Uh, so uh, we haven't uh, left uh, SIM, but uh, we are now based in the U.S. So you'll be seeing uh, more of us uh, here at Bethel. And uh, we uh, are excited about that because we know that the Lord is here. And uh, just as uh, the Lord is working in Nigeria, uh, so we know that uh, he's working at even in America, and Delaware, and Bethel here. So uh, we're uh, in it together with you for the sake of the Lord. Now my message uh, uh, today, uh, as you look at the title, is it up there? Yes, anticipates uh, actually next week, uh, Father's Day. Now that's, uh, let me say, maybe a little bit a reflection of, uh, of being a, a missionary, uh, and, and I have to confess that, uh, you know, I, I debated this morning uh, about whether or not I should uh, wear my tie. Uh, there are different practices in different cultures. And uh, in Africa, we always dress up. If you're up front, uh, you're to look your very best, so you put your very best on. Now, in America, we've kind of reversed that. Uh, everyone uh, wants to be casual. So I, I, I just couldn't quite uh, put my tie back in the closet. So, uh, yes, I'm, I'm still a missionary. <laughs> so I hope I'm not too much uh, out of step. Uh, you know, uh, Beryl gave me another reminder uh, this morning. She's uh, one of administrative uh, wisdom. And uh, she warned me that uh, whether I was done or not, she would come up and sing the final song <laughs> at the appropriate time. <laughs> now, I don't know if she knew that or not, but I'm, I'm used to not one-hour classes, but three-hour classes. I have uh, three hours uh, with my students when we meet. So I'm, I'm not going to be able to say all that I want to say. So I'll, I'll be skipping some spots to make sure uh, Beryl will be able to uh, be satisfied with... Uh, <laughs> with orderly worship uh, this morning. But again, my, my message anticipates Father's Day, uh, even though today isn't Father's Day. I'm not 
completely out of step. But uh, my thought is, uh, first of all, that if, uh, well, if Father's Day is spiritually significant for the people of God, I'm thinking like a teacher, uh, that's what I do. If it is spiritually significant, then uh, why not uh, reflect upon it uh, this week in uh, preparation for next week in a, in a Christ-centered, gospel-centered way? And then, too, as, as a teacher, uh, I have the propensity for, for giving assignments. Yes, my, my students often groan, but uh, maybe a, a casual assignment for you is to, to think uh, about uh, fatherhood, uh, not only at the uh, earthly level, but uh, from our Heavenly Father's example as well. So that's uh, a little bit of the orientation of uh, my passage today as uh, we take a break from, uh, from Pastor Chris's uh, messages in Isaiah. Now, life in, uh, in Nigeria, where we had been, uh, enables us to uh, consider parental sacrifices. Two categories, at least two categories, come to mind. Uh, we can think, Miriam and I can readily think of, uh, of two small graves, in uh, Miango, a place where we often go for our conference, spiritual life conference, sometimes for a break, two small graves of uh, two boys, uh, born in the 1950s and uh, going back to be with the Lord uh, in the same uh, decade, in a, in a matter of a few years. They're the graves of uh, SIM uh, Director Emeritus, uh, Dr. Ian Hay and his wife, uh, June. Incidentally, uh, Dr. Hay has been here at Bethel in the past, speaking during emissions conferences. Uh, Mama Missions uh, shakes her head. That's uh, Marion. She knows that. Uh, but uh, the call of God in their lives uh, meant that they would be planting churches uh, among uh, the Bagi people in Niger State, in, uh, in Nigeria, rural area, and it meant that uh, their children would be exposed uh, daily to malaria and uh, other unknown uh, vir tropical viruses. And it meant that uh, medical care was not in the uh, immediate vicinity. So uh, hence, uh, somehow, in the uh, wisdom of God, uh, they buried uh, two of their children, and uh, young children, infant children in Nigeria. Now, there's a, another category of uh, sacrifice, you know, radically contrasting uh, to the haze, and uh, one that's uh, uh, terrible to consider, but uh, we've had that experience uh, this, this year, 2015, in Nigeria, and uh, the parents who made these sacrifices uh, will never have uh, graves to, to visit graves of their children to visit, uh, because uh, these children died as uh, suicide bombers. Uh, now, when these things happen, uh, many stories uh, circulate. Don't know uh, actually what is uh, truthful, but in some of the stories, uh, there is, uh, uh, some of the stories speak of uh, parental complicity uh, in the will of Allah. 
So again, uh, contrasting uh, stories. One uh, maybe leaves us with uh, great indignation, uh, but yet uh, that is the latter, but the former pushes us, you know, hopefully, to a story like, uh, like Abraham, uh, where we are this morning, Genesis uh, chapter 22. And uh, Abraham in Genesis chapter 2 was uh, clearly commended for his sacrifice, his parental sacrifice, or at least his uh, willingness to sacrifice that which was most uh, precious to him. And uh, Genesis uh, chapter 22, as we read uh, carefully and as we read with uh, gospel-centered glasses or eyes, uh, enable us to think not simply of the sacrifice of, uh, of Abraham as a father, but of a more triumphant, even a more glorious sacrifice of a second, of a greater father, our Father in heaven. And as we look at uh, Genesis 22, uh, especially looking at the example of uh, Abraham, uh, we want to be sure that we're uh, putting these things uh, together. Uh, because uh, if we are to uh, find ourselves uh, as an Abraham, as a child of Abraham, commended because he was commended, and incidentally, although the title speaks of parental sacrifice, Abraham is uh, commended not simply because he's a father, but uh, even uh, more broadly in a way that uh, all of us, whether we are father or mother or uh, married or single, no young person or older person, grandparent. Uh, Abraham's example is such that uh, we're enabled to, to embrace uh, or be uh, invited to consider uh, the example in the same way that uh, brought uh, Abraham a commendation. So uh, let's look uh, together at uh, some of the features of uh, Abraham's example. And then uh, we'll try to connect it to uh, the, uh, the greater uh, triumph of uh, the second fathers, the more glorious triumph of the second fathers' uh, sacrifice as well. As we begin, I'm, I'm, uh, let us uh, just pause and ask again for Lord's uh, direction. But let's uh, just pray and uh, confess our dependence again upon the Lord. Uh, Father, uh, thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you for its uh, clear instruction. Uh, We are dependent upon you. Uh, Lord, uh, we have uh, worshipped you uh, through song, and uh, we pray, Lord, that we may continue to worship you uh, through your word. Uh, Hear our prayers, Lord. Uh, May your spirit uh, be upon us, Uh, to uh, keep us focused upon your word and uh, enable us indeed to be uh, transformed uh, by your word and by your spirit. Uh, Lord, uh, may the communication of your word be clear and uh, penetrating and uh, always, O God, uh, magnifying to your name, to uh, your truth and your faithfulness, uh, to your faithful covenant love. Hear us, Lord, uh, we pray. In Christ's name, 
Amen. So what is uh, Abraham's example? So I'm not going to read through 22 uh, completely, but uh, section by section. And uh, the first uh, point is that Abraham's example is uh, one that obeys uh, God's voice. So I'm reading uh, verses uh, 1 to 3 with you. After these things, God tested Abraham and said, Abraham, and he said, here am I. He said, that is God, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Abraham obeys uh, God's voice. The very first word that we hear from Abraham in this chapter is a word that signifies his readiness. Here am I. And uh, in Hebrew, it is, it is one word. Uh, here am I. In Hebrew, if uh, languages fascinate you, it might be a good word to learn and incorporate into your prayer life. Hanani. 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 Here am I. It's the same thing that uh, we met it already. It's the same word that uh, Isaiah spoke, chapter 6. Here am I, Lord. Send me. I'm ready, Lord. Whatever you want to say. Uh, I'm ready to listen. That's his first word. That's Abraham's orientation to the voice of God, to the word of God. And uh, we see that uh, uh, later on, uh, even after the whole episode is concluded, uh, the Lord uh, commends Abraham. Uh, Verse 18, we'll look at it later. Uh, The Lord uh, affirms his promises. Why? Because you obeyed my voice. So uh, this is uh, crucial. This is key to uh, Abraham's uh, example. And as we read, we read through the first three verses. Uh, We heard uh, the Lord's instruction, uh, Abraham's actions, his actions confirmed, uh, his readiness. And, uh, you know, maybe we'd like to hear more but we don't hear anything about what was going on, at least at this point, in Abraham's mind. Uh, But there is no indication that there is any doubt or any dispute, any any argument, any questioning with God. No, nothing like, no, no, Lord, not this. Uh, Anything, anything, but not my son. I can't give him up. Lord, are you sure? Nothing like that. Uh, He's silent about uh, any complaint or dispute and uh, carries on with what is consistent with what uh, God had asked. We might uh, pause a minute and ask, uh, how how do I get to that point? Am I like Abraham? Uh, Am I ready at any point to do what the Lord commands? And uh, what does he command? Well, are we, do we hear the Lord's voice audibly today? Well, sometimes in Africa, they, they say they do. Usually in our own culture, we don't have such experiences. 
but we have his word. And uh, we have God's people that speak his word to us sometimes. And uh, yet uh, we also have the inner witness of the Spirit. We have God's voice. We can obey uh, as Abraham. We can say, here am I, Lord. Hanani, Hanani. I'm ready, Lord. I'm ready to go. Uh, let me go. Now, as we think about these first uh, verses and the, the nature of the Lord's uh, command, what he is saying by his voice, we might think that it's remarkable that Abraham is tested. Uh, one thing that uh, might seem remarkable is, you know, an apparent uh, ethical problem. How can God uh, command this? Now, I'm not going to spend uh, too much uh, time. I'll give some hints along the way. I'm not spending any time on that uh, right now. We can't talk about everything. Uh, We've got to sing that last song. Uh, but maybe in your home group, uh, you can entertain that. Aside from that, uh, I will defer you to, uh, to Pastor Tyler. You know, uh, I met with him this week, and uh, we talked about uh, what I'd be doing. And he said, oh, Genesis 22. Wow, there's some uh, difficult questions with that chapter. So uh, if I don't answer all your questions, please uh, go see Pastor Tyler. <clears throat> he'll, he'll straighten you out. So again, uh, what I'm saying is it's remarkable, uh, isn't it, that uh, Abraham's uh, tested. Um, what's at stake for Abraham? Uh, his son. And uh, really, everything. Everything for Abraham. Now, I, to put this in perspective, uh, um, now I saw a, I don't even know what it was, because I, I saw a, a clip of a, I don't know if it was a movie or TV. Uh, I, didn't, I wasn't watching it, I just saw the clip. And uh, the exchange kind of fascinated me, because it indicated some cultural differences. There was a, an American lawyer uh, speaking to uh, someone who looked like they were from the Middle East. And the lawyer was trying to persuade this Middle Easterner to do something. So it was a heavy discussion. And uh, the Middle Easterner asked the lawyer, what do you fear most? An American lawyer, more like an American response, at least the way I take it, is, well, I fear failure. You know, our, our value as Americans is to be successful. Successful at all costs. And if I'm not successful in life, then my life uh, is missing something. It doesn't feel fulfilled. Well, then the Middle Eastern had responded, well, what do you fear most? And he said, uh, I don't know the context, but, and I, I'm giving my interpretation, but he says, I fear vanishing, just simply vanishing. So uh, kind of the Middle Eastern context is not, and what's important is not so much, much what I'm going to accomplish in life, but to whom do I belong? Is there going to be a legacy after me? Or is there going to be a family in place to remember me, celebrate my memory? You know, that's significance. That's meaning in life. You know, I, I see that in Africa. That's why having children is so important. And if you're married, you have a child your first year. Uh, you want those children immediately. The grandparents want to see them immediately. Uh, that's kind of the, the Mid-Eastern Mid uh, mentality. Abraham, I believe, would... Uh, have embraced that. Now here's, although he did have other children, Isaac was the son of the promise. And if Isaac was gone, 
What did it mean for Abraham? Well, in a sense, that he's forgotten. His life is lost. No one remembers. Uh, Not to mention the theological dimension. All that God had put into Abraham's life, all of uh, God's uh, plans for Abraham, depended upon this son, uh, this offspring. So in giving it up, what did it mean? It's not just uh, merely his beloved son whom he loved, and that was great in itself, but it meant that Abraham would become uh, lost, forgotten, nothing. So he was giving up everything that was important to him. And yet, uh, isn't it remarkable that he was tested? I mean, uh, after all, hadn't he already been tested? Uh, Didn't he as, uh, you know, uh, let me say, young uh, aspiring uh, businessman and the Ur of the Chaldees, didn't he leave everything? What he knew, his home, you know, he was a fairly wealthy man, he was prosperous even there, you know, by uh, uh, people that followed him and uh, about his flocks and herds. Everything he was familiar, he left. Where did he go to? Well, he didn't know. He didn't have a job, employment uh, waiting for him. He left. Uh, Yeah, there were some uh, faith glitches along the way in Abraham's life, but hadn't he been tested enough already? Well, let's uh, think about that a minute uh, as we think about uh, the example of Abraham and how we can be like Abraham. What is God doing when he's uh, testing us? There's some... uh, a few scripture passages uh, to look at in that regard. Exodus uh, 20, 20. What is God doing when he's testing us? What was God doing when he was testing uh, Abraham here? Moses said to God's people, do not fear, for God has come to test you. Same word. Why? That the fear of him may be before you. God tests us that uh, we might know the fear of God. And then uh, finally, another purpose, that you may not sin. God test us, at least, to, uh, to keep us from sin. We'll flesh that out in a minute. Another passage, uh, Deuteronomy uh, 8.2. And you shall remember, there are many passages we could look at. I'm picking out a few here. Moses speaking to the people of Israel. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. Now, this is after the books of uh, the, the experiences of Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers, now Deuteronomy, uh, the generation to inherit the land. He's led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you, make us tender, make us uh, know that we have needs. Uh, humble, uh, again, uh, something in Africa pops into my mind. Uh, You know, meat, meat in Africa doesn't have any fat on it. The cows uh, don't have, uh, they eat the grass. So it's very lean, very tough, actually tastes a little bit like grass. Uh, Miriam uh, cooks it a long time to uh, tenderize it, at least to attempt to tenderize it, because it's so tough. Well, I think our hearts are a little bit that way too. We need to be humbled. If we're honest with ourselves, we need to be humbled so that our hearts may become uh, tender. 
humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, the Lord says, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And then Deuteronomy, same context, 8.16. Again, the Lord is saying that, I'm skipping the first clause there, that he might humble you, the Lord test you, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. When the Lord tests us, uh, however we perceive those tests, whatever form that it comes, trial, hardship, New Testament, James tells us what the Lord intends, even though it may be difficult. You know, the, again, the Hayes, I know, experienced that in Bagi land, in Nigeria. Uh, even though it may be difficult, God intends good, good in the end. One last verse of many, Deuteronomy 13. Moses is again still speaking to his people. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet. That is, when if the Lord allows a false teacher, a false prophet in your midst, the Lord doesn't always remove them immediately. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. Somebody that seems credible, but... What about his message? For the Lord your God is testing you. Why? To know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. That's what the Lord is interested in when he tests us to bring about good, to examine our hearts, because we don't really know our hearts, do we? Uh, We don't really know fully what is there. But uh, when difficulty or hardship comes out, then, uh, then we know, as uh, the Lord uh, already knows. Uh, let me uh, read from my, my Kindle here, from uh, Paul Tripp in his uh, devotional, uh, New Morning Mercies. Uh, I think he has some insights, again, that reflects upon uh, really our need for testing. Just as Abraham needed it, uh, not that God uh, needed it. There's another question uh, for you in home group. You know, uh, does God need? Did God need to know what was in Abraham's heart, even as uh, Scripture seems to to say? But uh, listen to Paul Tripp's experiences in counseling, especially as it relates to uh, the needs of our hearts. I saw it again and again in counseling. Maybe it was a husband and wife, an angry teenager, a single person who had lost her way, or a pastor who had gotten himself in trouble. For all of the vast differences in the situations and struggles, they shared a common theme. All these people thought they knew themselves, but they didn't. They all thought that they saw themselves with accuracy, but they didn't. They all wanted me to agree with the assessments they have made, oops, excuse me, that they made of themselves, but I couldn't. They all suffered from the same disease, but they denied it. It didn't take long for me to realize that I was experiencing firsthand a universal human condition that the Bible talks about. It's called spiritual. Blindness, and it's associated 
He says, more uh, we sin. That's the blessing of testing in our lives. While we're still in this life, while we're still wrestling with sin, we're freed from its condemnation, but we're not freed immediately from its presence, uh, although we are able to overcome it, but we're still in the midst of a battle with sin. And uh, testing reveals that. Uh, reveals that for our own benefit, so that God may do his good uh, in our lives. Abraham, even in the midst of testing, obeyed God's voice. So should we. Obedience, you know, there are many books that uh, speak about the keys to Christian life. Well, here's the starting point. Obedience is key. It's uh, a non-negotiable for every one of us. And uh, may the Lord uh, strengthen us with a deeper desire, individually, in our families, in our church family here at Bethel, to uh, obey him immediately in a Hineni, Hiramai kind of way. Secondly, uh, verses uh, 4 to 9, we see that uh, not only is Abraham obedient, but uh, he manifests uh, a faith. He reasons, thinks, from a, a God-centered faith. And uh, let me uh, read uh, the, the narrative here. Remember that he went to the place that the Lord had guided. Verse 4, On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes, saw the place from afar, Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them, together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father. And he said, Here am I. Same word, Hanani. It's responsive to his son. Here am I, my son. And he said, that is Abraham, or that is Isaac said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. And then Abraham continued in verse 9. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built an altar there, laid the wood in order, bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. So uh, Abraham reasoned from a God-centered faith. What am I talking about? Well, isn't uh, verse 5 uh, remarkable. He tells uh, his uh, young uh, servants, I and the boy will go over there and worship, and uh, we will come again to you. Why does he say we? Now, Abraham had three days, so it took him three days to get to this place. Uh, Moriah, uh, and other parts of Scripture say Moriah is uh, in Jerusalem. Of course, not a big city in in that day. 
But he had three days maybe to come up with an alternative. If I was Abraham, what would I have done? I've thought through it. Well, surely the Lord doesn't want me to do this. Uh, let, me, let me do something else. Or uh, uh, let me, the Lord, uh, maybe I confused what the Lord was saying. Let me just bring, bring the lamb, the offering, just in case. Uh, let me have a, a backup plan. Because uh, surely, uh, surely uh, something's amiss about the word of the Lord. Again, we don't hear anything of that. Uh, Abraham's intent versus, uh, well, the whole narrative, 4 to 9, is on in worship. Verse 5, we're there to worship. He made all the preparations, all the actions uh, necessary for, for worship. And uh, Old Testament uh, context, build the altar, prepare the fire, and uh, do it in a way uh, that's... Uh, prescribed by the God that you're worshiping, that is constructing the altar in that way, and doing it in the place that he assigns, and then uh, offering up uh, the best that you have to your God in, in honor of him. So uh, Abraham's actions reflect his uh, commitment to worship. And uh, he's reasoning, again, I'm suggesting that he's reasoning in a, in a God-centered faith. Again, uh, I'm thinking of that final song. I, I'm not going to say everything, but uh, uh, somehow uh, it doesn't tell us immediately in Genesis 22, but somehow uh, Abraham, because he's a worshiper of God, is uh, thinking his very best thoughts about God. It might not have been clear to him may have seemed a little bit irrational, but he's carrying through. He's doing what he knows he should be do, doing and in obedience to the God that he wants to worship. And he's thinking something uh, maybe even beyond what he knew in his experience. Verse 5, again, he's saying, we will worship and we will come back to you. Now again, we don't read it in Genesis, but uh, the author of the book of Hebrews gives us uh, an insight into what, I don't know where the author of Hebrews got that uh, idea or that uh, insight into Abraham's uh, perspective, but in Hebrews chapter 11, 17 to 19. Do you know that passage? You remember that? By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, Genesis 22, and he who had received the promises, see, everything depended upon Isaac, was in the act of offering up his only son, as we read in verse 9, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Then verse 19, he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. So here's a man of faith, a worshiper of God. Did God tell him that he was going to do that? No, the Lord, uh, we have no indication that uh, Abraham knew fully what was going to happen. But even in the midst of this uh, tension, of, uh, of this uh, testing, 
He was thinking his best thoughts about God. The God, uh, the God of uh, faithful covenant love. Uh, the God of uh, compassion. Again, no evidence of doubt, dispute, uh, argumentation, or thinking that uh, God's uh, word is not reliable. What do we do when we're tested? You know, and uh, sometimes our tests come out in uh, hardship, difficult experiences, difficult circumstances, uh, maybe uh, uh, troublesome people in our lives. Sometimes uh, Scripture says God intends those as a test. What do we do with those circumstances? They may bring out uh, the same effect as this uh, test for Abraham. You know, it could bring out our complaint or our compromise of obedience, of our inability to love God with all our heart and uh, with all our soul, all our strength, all our might. But not the case here with Abraham. He was committed to worship. As a worshiper of God, you know, the best thoughts, again, even, I mean, he didn't have doctrine of resurrection in his mind. You know, maybe he remembered about Enoch going immediately into the presence of the Lord, but he didn't have the New Testament to read. He didn't know about uh, the Messiah uh, being raised from the dead. But yet, he was thinking in categories consistent with his God. So I think that's our, our challenge as well. We're going to follow the example of Abraham. Not only will we be obedient, but our best thoughts will be thoughts worthy of our God, even if we can't see always the end from the beginning. Uh, we, I know an example. Uh, Miriam and I were, were with her uh, last week uh, in Miriam's home. Miriam's a friend from childhood, but a woman that uh, loves the Lord. She's married. They have three children and 14 grandchildren. But, uh, and she's our age mate. Uh, she's, uh, she's dying of cancer. She's uh, had, well, she's uh, attempted to deal with it through uh, diet. She's had uh, the chemo and radiation. But uh, the Lord hasn't given her back physical life. Uh, her end is, is uh, likely imminent. But she wrote us a note last week from our time together, and she concluded with, how awesome is our God? How awesome is our God? I mean, she doesn't want to leave her husband, her children, her 14 grandchildren. I mean, they're committed to their grandchildren. They have a grandchildren's camp, I think, once a year. where They all come to, to Tangier, and they have fun things and minister to them spiritually. She doesn't want to miss that. But uh, you listen to her. In fact, she's uh, being called often uh, to area churches to give her testimony. And that's her testimony. How awesome is our God? That's the only thing she can say. And uh, if she sees her husband, you know, uh, she's half joking about it, but her hus- if her husband is thinking about the future and feeling sad, she warns him, I don't want any self-pity there. You know, our God is great. I mean, she's compassionate. She's sympathetic. But uh, the greatness of God is her focus. And she's intent on worshiping God, even in the midst of the trial that she is experiencing. So uh, Abraham, as uh, our friend, their best thoughts are worthy of God. They reasoned 
from uh, a God-centered faith. Consequently, then, uh, Abraham was able to receive, our third point, uh, receive God's uh, gracious provision. Let me read that, uh, verse 10. Abraham reached out his hand, took his knife to slaughter his son. We're at our climax. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, same thing. Here am I. Hanani. I'm ready, Lord. I'm ready. Here am I. He said, the angel, uh, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. And Abraham went, took the ram, offered it up as a burnt offering instead of, in place of, his son. And Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. Uh, literally, the Lord will see. You know, our songs, uh, Jehovah Jireh, I don't like that one because uh, it's actually not Hebrew. It's a Yahweh Yira. But uh, I won't uh, suggest the change. Either way, the Lord will provide is the, is the important thing. The Lord will see. The Lord will see to it. And uh, that's Abraham's testimony. As it is said, even to this day, his testimony continues. On the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. And actually, there's a little bit of ambiguity. You might find that in your study notes. Could also say, on the mount, the Lord will be seen. The Lord will provide for worship. And when God is being worshipped, He will be seen. In other words, the worshiper will have the blessedness of uh, meeting with him. Here I'm going to have to move a little bit quickly. I'm not going to be able to say all that I want on these points here. But uh, again, in thinking about the whole context of this test, something irrational, isn't it? Something even unthinkable. But uh, Abraham carries through. Why? Because he's all about, Abraham's all about obedience He's all about faith. He's all about worship. And that uh, compels him, uh, drives him to this. And uh, the Lord doesn't let the unthinkable happen. Now, he arrests Abraham. He's stretched. I don't know if he had lifted up his hand or he was going to begin to slay his son in a ritualistic way like he would do with a sacrifice, uh, the shedding of blood before the presence of God, but God halts that. And uh, he commends his worshiper. Now I know that uh, you fear God. And uh, then he provides for worship in a redemptive sort of way. There behind Abraham, the sacrifice. His son could be lifted off. The son that uh, really meant everything to Abraham that was really in the place of Abraham itself. But instead, the son, Abraham, lifted off the offering and God would accept the substitute, uh, the ram that he provided. 
So uh, the Lord uh, does this for the man that uh, fears God. Now there are a couple of verses I wanted to give you on uh, what it means to fear God, but uh, you're going to have to maybe search that out at uh, home groups. But uh, fearing God, again, is, uh, I can just say briefly, is something that uh, uh, leads to uh, definite action. It's, it's practical. Sometimes you might think of the fear of God or the fear of the Lord as something abstract. But it uh, issues forth in uh, concrete actions in our lives. And here it is with Abraham. There are other places, in the, let me summarize, in the Pentateuch, uh, where it uh, speaks of, uh, if I fear the Lord, I'm not going to do uh, what is wrong to my neighbor. You know, if I fear God, uh, the sense that God is there, I'm accountable to God, then he sees what I'm doing. So I'm, I'm not going to ever get away with anything because he's watching me. So uh, another place in the book of Leviticus says, I'll not take advantage of those who are deaf and blind. You know, uh, who's, what's a deaf or blind person, someone disadvantaged, going to do if I take advantage of them? If I fear God, I know that uh, God doesn't do that, and he holds me accountable. Fear God, again, uh, just in passing here, is something practical. We see it in Abraham's life. It was built into his uh, worship of God. Uh, what he did in the presence of God is what he always did in any other context, because he feared God. And in the end, uh, Abraham has a testimony to give. Because he's a worshiper of God, because he fears God, here's his testimony. The Lord will see. The Lord will provide. Yahweh, that's the, the Hebrew name. Yahweh Yira. So uh, are we at that point? Do we uh, endure testing? in our lives, or maybe those uh, circumstances that bring hardship that the Lord might use as testing in our lives, do we gladly endure them in our lives? You know, James chapter 1, count it all joy. Do we gladly enjoy that in our lives so that we might have the opportunity to uh, see God's gracious provision, God's grace in my life? And out of that, be able to give a testimony of uh, how, God, how God's grace is so great in uh, my life and in the life of any worshiper. I mean, uh, this uh, prover proverbial statement here by Abraham, I mean, when did it happen? Millennia ago. And we have it still today. Uh, we know that the Lord sees. When we come and worship, the Lord sees us. He meets with us. He delights in it as we do it uh, his way. And uh, we know his presence. And again, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, Miriam's uh, childhood friend. As, as I say, uh, she's uh, enduring her, her trial, her testing, and uh, you, you talk to her every single time uh, she gives glory to God. As I say, the, the word on, on the note how awesome is our God? That wasn't something in passing. She's living that right now, even in the most, uh, should we say, unthinkable, unforgiving circumstances. Does that describe me? Am I a worship, such a, a consistent, 
worshiper of God? Is my love for God so wholehearted that uh, only words of praise come from my heart, from my lips, from my mouth, no matter what? You know, it makes me worried, actually. You know, you're worried, some are worried about Miriam and I being in, uh, in Nigeria. Well, Nigerians are worried about America. What's the future of our, our country and uh, for our faith, for Christ? Are we prepared? Are we giving an enduring testimony? And then uh, lastly, uh, quickly, uh, fourth thing, verses uh, 15 to 19. Uh, again, we're saying the fear of God is, is practical. And uh, so we see it uh, that Abraham uh, lives out or trusts in uh, God's plan to bless. The angel of the Lord, after the sacrifice, called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord. Uh, excuse me, let me go back again. Uh, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men. They arose. They went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at uh, Beersheba. So uh, I don't know if you can hear it in, uh, in what the angel of the Lord is speaking for the Lord himself. But uh, I think I'm uh, hearing some excitement in the Lord's voice. The Lord is, and uh, you know, uh, we have to think, I'm skipping this, you missed the other, my previous lecture on uh, Genesis 12, but I'm expecting you to think about the Abrahamic promise and Abraham's call and uh, what God had intended to do as he called Abraham. He intended to, to uh, make Abraham a great, make him a great nation, to become Israel. Uh, but through that nation, he wanted to bless not just Abraham's seed, but all the nations of the world. That's the orientation of our God. Uh, he blesses us so that uh, that blessing may be shared uh, with others. So that's uh, repeated, reiterated, assured, again, Abraham here. But it's tied in with what Abraham did. So can you hear, can you hear the excitement in the Lord's voice? The Lord is saying, I can continue my plan of blessing. Our God loves to bless. God's uh, plan for uh, blessing the whole world is uh, linked to this one frail, weak limited, finite person, but a man who stands for obedience, faith, and uh, worship, and living that out. Is that us? Is that us here at Bethel? Uh, may it uh, be so. And uh, in my best thoughts, my own testimony and my best thoughts at, at my age, 
Uh, what I want, uh, and I'm not there all the time. I'm preaching to myself. Uh, my best prayer is, Lord, Lord, make me a worshiper of God. Make me a worshiper of you, unhindered. Not thinking about myself or my own needs, but make me a worshiper of you. I, I, think, of, uh, uh, I think of the Yoruba in uh, Nigeria where we first lived. Uh, when a dignitary comes into the room, uh, everyone is, especially if you are a junior person, uh, lower uh, status than uh, if, you're, if you're a lady. You know, I've seen it many times. Maybe you bow to one knee before that person. If you're a guy, you prostrate. push-up uh, position. No, it, my experience may be different when I see the Lord face to face, but I imagine that's what I want to do when I'm in the physical presence uh, of our Savior. And I want the Lord to do that now in my life. Make me a worshiper uh, like uh, Abraham, obedient, faithful, and uh, thinking uh, the best thoughts of my God. And uh, that is possible because, even as we read from Romans 8, because uh, Abraham's sacrifice, Genesis 22, is uh, linked in many ways. I don't have time to develop it. So again, uh, home group assignment or assignment this week. Uh, the example of Abraham is linked to uh, Romans 8 in uh, several ways, uh, especially with uh, verse 32. Uh, even the same word, not spare, at least in the Greek language, not spare, not withhold. So uh, what is Romans 8:32? He who did not withhold, like Abraham, did not spare his only son, but delivered him up for us all. The substitute was made so I can find acceptance in God's presence. I can enjoy his fellowship, his presence. He who did not spare, withhold his own son, uh, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things? So uh, the uh, connections, just in passing, relate to uh, Moriah. And the Moriah, if you look at... Uh, we're not looking at it now, but Second uh, Chronicles 3.1. Apparently, the Temple Mount. So what happened at the Temple Mount? That was the place of worship. Public worship in ancient Israel. That's where God was, manifested himself. That's where the Israelite could be in the presence of God, rejoicing, celebrating, worshiping. And God was there as they were obedient but uh, what else was Moriah? It wasn't the exact place, but it's a place of Jerusalem. What happened in Jerusalem? Well, the cross. What uh, Romans 8 talks about. Go back in Romans 8. Uh, review that. And again, the provision. The Lord will provide. The burnt offering was uh, his own son. And uh, that's uh, reflected in uh, Hebrews chapter 10. When he said above, 
That is, uh, the Lord, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings. Many different uh, words for sacrifice. Burnt offerings is the one from Genesis 22. Also Leviticus 1. And sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Book of uh, Hebrews tells us. But in verse 9, then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. That's the sacrifice. The sacrificial lamb, Jesus Christ. He does away with the first in order to establish the second, the greater one, the more triumphant one, the more glorious one, the one that makes us heart, wholehearted worshipers. And verse 10, it is by that will, the will of that sacrifice and the will of the Father, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So uh, the encouragement of this week uh, in closing, again, going back to Romans 8:32, uh, what are those all those things? The Lord says, "All those things. Will He not give us all things? What are those all things He has given us? Uh, what are those all things that I want, that I desire? Are they the things that make me obedient? Uh, make me a person of faith. Make me uh, thinking in the faith categories. Making me a worshiper, even as uh, Abraham exemplifies for us. Well, they're all available to us. You know, the fear of God, a changed heart. You know, heartfelt worship. Because uh, our Father in heaven, uh, did not spare his son, but uh, delivered him up for us all. Amen. And happy in advance, happy Father's Day. That is not true of all, just fathers, but to all of us, because we all have a father in heaven. Let's just pray, and then uh, Pharaoh will come out. I'm up and move me out of the way. Father, uh, hear the uh, cries of our heart. Uh, Lord, uh, put in our hearts that uh, Hineni uh, attitude. Hear my Lord, any time, any way. You know, use uh, my ransom life any way you choose. All I have is Christ. Uh, Christ is my life. Make it, th- make it that our portion now, O oh God. You are worthy, and uh, we are humble before you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.